time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, we always, all of our interviews, like the one we just did with Steve Moore, we always post them. They're available on our website, americacanwetalk.org. They're available on SoundCloud, on YouTube. And honestly, he is so uh, capable of explaining economics things, uh, economic issues, and the tax bill and the consequences. They're really worth it if you go listen again and kind of slow down and think about it because, you know, this show is the fastest two hours of my week. It races by every week and, um, you know, could talk with him a lot longer. But I really urge it. That's the kind of interview to listen to again if you can because he's just, he's fabulous. But I was going to add something about the um, tax bill, which was, you know, whenever Republicans propose Tax cuts. Whenever they talk about cutting taxes, heaven forbid cutting spending, which they need to even be talking about even more, but talk about cutting taxes, right away you hear the Democrats saying, tax cuts for the rich. This is outrageous. Tax cuts for the rich. I mean, they just, that is there. And then the average family is going to be hurt by this bill. So, Something happened this week, which is so rare that we we have to actually discuss it, which is the Washington Post, which simply hates to run any story that makes any Democrat ever look even slightly bad. The Washington Post fact-checked the Senate Democrats' statements about the GOP tax plan. So how they fact-check things. And and their fact-checking is often a dubious endeavor, but they fact-check things. And one thing they fact-checked was the Democrats claiming that the GOP tax reform bill will increase taxes on most middle-class families. Okay, even the Washington Post had to give the Democrats four Pinocchios. I mean, they're saying this is like flat-out lie. If the Washington Post says it, about the Democrats, you know it has to be true because they just simply never want to do that. But it's really interesting. Um, they just spend they um, the Democrats don't really have a good answer to the to the proposition that Steve Moore was talking about. Why shouldn't people get to keep more of their own money? Businesses get to keep more of their own money. Decide how they want to spend it, where how they want to expand their business. What, what kind of uh, facilities they want to uh, add or products they want to add from small businesses, which, as Steve Moore was saying, and then before the break, employ two-thirds of America. Why shouldn't those businesses hold on to that money and not the government? And the answer really is, and I got to tell you, folks, I, you know, I'm a pretty earnest student of politics. I studied uh, America, uh, political science in college. I read endlessly, I read economics reports and history and and uh, all sorts of things related to politics and the more you read and see these patterns and rhythms it's really helpful um, to be able to put things in a larger context and not just get drawn into the subtleties of each individual little issue but instead the larger context which is the democrat party really doesn't have anything to stand on in terms of policies it's bringing out, unless it is making some new group of America feel like a victim, they just they, they are a victim class factory. They produce victim classes. Now we have the LGBTQ, transgender, I mean, whatever the latest uh, thing is, they've always got a new victim class that they are v- telling our victims. They are, you know, creating also uh, the uh, picture of them as just being mistreated by the rest of America. It is their entire, their voting base is the, is the victim class America and then big government 
meaning taking lots of your money away and lots of businesses' money away and lots of individuals' money away to be the one that controls everything. This is the basic Democrat, the overarching goal of the Democrat Party. I mean, you can talk about many other ways, too, in other, many other ways, but that's, it's, a big, it's a big distinction. So keep in mind, this, this criticism, the GOP tax bill, cutting taxes, even the Washington Post gave the Senate Democrats for Pinocchios. Okay, I'll hit one other story at this segment, um, and then we're going to go into what um, I want to, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about what um, Donald Trump's been doing, and he gave this really uh, amazing speech, numerous amazing speeches on this trip over to um, Asian countries, and one in Vietnam, I want to play a clip of the next segment about what he said there, but I want to just hit on this Roy Moore situation right now, just briefly. You likely know that Roy Moore is a candidate. He's in Alabama. He's a candidate for Senate to take Jeff Sessions' Senate seat. And so Roy Moore won a primary against Luther Strange. And Roy Moore, so a Republican primary, Roy Moore seems the more conservative. The people went with him. So Roy Moore, who has been a judge, a justice on the Supreme Court of Alabama, and has been standing up for. you know, the rights of the Ten Commandments and having them on public property and freedom of religion. So uh, Roy Moore is a guy who is a, um, I, I can't find it quickly, but he has a, um, he's a, went to, was it West Point? Uh, yeah, he's, he's a West Point graduate. Um, he's a Vietnam veteran, law school graduate, uh, holy roller, if I use that term. Point is, he's been a very successful guy. He's now running for Senate, and now these allegations have come up of him conducting, engaging in, which would be extremely inappropriate behavior, 40 years ago, 4-0. And to contrast the difference between how Republicans fight, pile on their own, how Democrats, just keep in mind, Roy Moore, none of this has been proven. This is just allegations coming out. He actually had John McCain come out to say he should that he Roy Moore should step out of the race. Numerous Republicans saying if this is true, he must step down immediately. When I come back from this break, I want to make the contrast for you how these people said nothing. All, all sorts of other people. We eat our own on our side, and it has to stop. I'll talk more about this after the break. Don't go away. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. 
and they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, if you're watching on Facebook Live tonight, so I'm getting up and down <laughs> between each set and resetting this because I discovered that what happens on Facebook Live during the show is that people listen during a segment and then if they're hearing the radio and, you know, they're just looking and I'm just sitting here rustling papers and nothing, they're just hearing commercials, they move on. So I've been turning it off between segments. I don't think this is going to work too well, folks. We're going to think of plan B. But anyway... Love you listening on Facebook Live or listening on the radio. I'm going to go back to Roy Moore and try to make this point. I don't even like the expression very much, we eat our own, because that's just just not descriptive enough. We have a guy who has been, you know, Roy Moore, a, you know, prominent, outspoken uh, conservative. He is, you know, clearly he trounced the more moderate Republican. He won the primary. The people of Alabama got behind him. And... This is a guy who is really making the um, Washington elite establishment on both sides of the aisle very nervous because 
he, you know, whether you do or don't like his politics or you do or don't agree with his, um, you know, his stance on the Ten Commandments and on the place of God in public life, you disagree with his views in the First Amendment, that's fine. I mean, it's free country. But he's a guy who's been so outspoken, and this kind of stuff makes the elite establishment uncomfortable. He doesn't play their game. He doesn't do what other candidates and elected officials, in the view of many of the elite establishment in Washington, think should be done. So there are a lot of people not happy he won this primary. They were supporting Luther Strange, and who um, did not win the primary. And so now this allegation, these uh, several allegations have come out, uh, alleged conduct with, with uh, minor girls um, from 40 years ago. Now, the guy's been in public life. He's been on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, every conceivable newspaper in Alabama, dozens of times. He's in public life. And now that he has a chance to be one of the senators, of the 100 senators in Washington, they, these allegations come out. Now, I'm not saying I know if they're true or not, because I don't. Neither does John McCain. Neither does Mitch McConnell. Neither do all of these people in Washington all just, you know, wringing their hands and, you know, concerned. And I mean, John McCain being the worst of all, I want to remind you of something. In 2008, John McCain, there was a hit piece about him when he was running for president in the New York Times, rumoring, uh, there was a rumor of, an, of John McCain having had an affair. I have no idea if it's true, but John McCain did not think because a rumor came out and got printed in the New York Times that he had to drop out of the campaign for presidency. He just marched forward. But now these stories come out about Roy Moore and John McCain was he was the one he didn't say if these are true, he should drop out. He said he should drop out. This is that elitist. We don't want this guy here attitude followed by I mean, the pile on has been truly remarkable on, on, on Roy Moore. I mean, the pile on by Mitch McConnell and um, I'm trying to find uh, Rob Portman, just all sorts of elected officials in Washington, swamp creatures, as some people are calling them. But I mean, they are deciding that the allegations of someone who is claiming something that happened 40 years ago, someone who, by the way, you know, may or may not be a credible witness, but she's someone who's been divorced three times, plagued by financial problems, chaotic teenage recklessness, drinking, drug abuse, promiscuity, suicide attempt. I mean, this is not an emotionally stable person, at least the main accuser, or one of the first accusers. And so I'm just getting at, why is it that this guy has to be the recipient of all this denouncement by people in Washington? Contrasted with, let me just make a contrast for you. So right now, a Democrat senator from New Jersey, I think, um, yeah, yeah, wherever he's from, Menendez, yeah, Robert Menendez, I think it's New Jersey, a Democrat senator who, by the way, was actually indicted and is being prosecuted in federal court for felonies. He hasn't stepped down. He's still sitting in his Senate seat, and he's been charged with numerous abuses of power, including partaking in the year 2015 with an underage hookers arranged by a crony who made a large campaign donation. Do you recall one Democrat in the the whole Senate saying Menendez better step down? Do you recall Mitch McConnell saying this? Any Republicans saying this? I'm telling you, folks, 
we on the conservative side, we try to stand for virtue and morality, and that's a beautiful thing to do that. But we will pounce on our own unproven allegations and and, and something like Menendez, or just take Bill Clinton, his entire presidency. By the time he was, before he ran the first time for president, he'd been credibly accused. We went through these accusations at one point during Hillary's campaign. I mean, over two dozen times by women throughout his life, unwanted sexual advances, unwanted sexual touching. Uh, I mean, credibly accused of rape, numerous accusations of sexual assault. President Clinton gets elected, and the entire news media, their goal is to discredit the accusers. We have to learn from this. The media is not going to be on the conservative side. The media is going to accuse the accusers of Bill Clinton, but the moment Roy Moore has accusers from 40 years ago who had all this time to speak up and say nothing. And I'll say, just as a, as a woman, I will say, I do understand that sometimes women are afraid to speak up, and sometimes they don't tell stories for a long time, and decades later they decide to tell it, and it's true. I understand it could be true, but we don't know that. And Roy Moore was the clear choice of the voters in Alabama. This would be a different discussion to be having if we're in the primary. But right now, our choice in Alabama is another Democrat in our very, very thin majority in the Senate or Roy Moore. That's our choice right now. And if we're going to decide that we're going to do the pile on the Mitch McConnell spineless pile on and, and, and other Republicans also on Roy Moore. And, and these pylons matter. Voters in Alabama read these in the paper on the Internet. They think, well, gee, you know, if Mitch McConnell is saying this, maybe there's something to it. Maybe I ought to you know, rethink it. I mean, I don't really like Democrats, but maybe I should vote Democrat. Going back to the election in Virginia. The failure of Republicans to speak up harshly to denounce the ads run by that creep of a Democrat governor in Virginia with a you know a pickup truck chasing down minority children with a bumper sticker on with a Republican candidate's name on it, there should have been massive outrage by conservative media. There was some. There was some. Not enough. There were not Republicans lined up demanding that those ads be taken down and denouncing that, that they were sinister and evil in their lives. We don't do this. But we have to. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing that I'm saying this, but it's like we have to figure out where we are in America. We are not in a place that we can just assume that we have candidates and the Democrats sometimes play a little rough and sometimes they're nice. No, no. What is happening in America is the Democrats will destroy any Republican candidate, any Republican elected official, any issue they can to find an accusation of racism or sexual assault 40 years ago or something, and we have to start playing hardball on our side. We have to stop piling on every time some accusation emerges against a Republican. That this is, we have to, I, I don't want us to become corrupt like many people are in Washington and create lies and or deny things when they're truth right in front of you. But this Roy Moore is a great example of our spinelessness. And I'm telling you, the other reason it matters we're so concerned about Republican voters turning up again in the off-year elections. We need to have the Republicans show up for the congressional races and for the Senate seats that are up in 2018. And people sitting at home are watching Roy Moore get accused by someone from 40 years ago or several someones and the Republican Party fretting and whining and, and rubbing their hands together and wringing their hands and worried. And the Republicans are saying, 
Do you not see what this is doing, what the left and the media are doing to our candidates, to our party? They're sitting saying, do you not see it? Why can't you Republicans find a spine? The, and I'm telling you, I mean, this. we were talking with Steve Moore earlier. I think, I think that these... The GOP tax bill will get through. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna hit go loop back to that taxing, and then I really want in the next segment. Want to go on and tell you about Trump over in Asia because he's been really good. But you know, on the closing and looping back also to what Steve Moore and we were talking about, the the GOP has a chance to pass a tax bill effective in you know starting in 2018 with seriously reduced tax levels for uh, corporations, the big corporate tax drop for small businesses, and some adjustment for individuals. So we have that opportunity. And the GOP has worked really hard in Washington, House and Senate, to undermine President Trump, wouldn't get his Obamacare repeal done, aren't funding the wall. But this thing could make a huge difference. The Republicans need to be seen as standing up with the same kind of passion and fervor that the voters saw in President Trump when he ran as a candidate. They have to see the Republicans saying, yeah, we're going to actually act like Republicans and cut taxes. We're actually going to reduce the corporate tax rate. And and we got and we, and we have a battle in the Senate whether or not we're going to have to use a nuclear option. And the answer better be yes. If the Democrats are going to stall this. We have to show the background of the American people that we're actually going to stand with them and with what the Republican Party is supposed to stand for. And now I'm out of time. Come right back after the break. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to American Community Talk. Okay, one more thing I'm going to say about Roy Moore, and then I'm going to get off that topic. I don't even know the guy. I just can hardly stand how we just, we surrender the moment someone's raised an issue, and especially the GOP in Washington that never says a dang word about Senator Menendez, doesn't demand, and the allegations against him are from 2015, two years ago, and not you know, 40 years ago. Okay, but the one thing I was going to tell you, interestingly enough, so the Virginia candidate, the Republican candidate in Virginia, who is challenging Senator Tim Kaine for that Senate seat, the one Republican I know of who has spoken up, his name is, um, oh, word, I lost his name. Uh, anyway, the, this guy, uh, his last name is Stewart, um, and he is a candidate for the GOP nomination to challenge Tim Kaine, and this guy, Stewart, Corey Stewart, spoke up and said, in response to a question from a reporter, when doing Tim Kaine supporting reporters, uh, asked him a question. He said, these allegations are 40 years old, 40 years old, and they're unsubstantiated. There's no way to prove it. They didn't prove it, but you're presumed guilty. That's not right. And it really isn't, folks. And I got to say, I'm the first one. If men are, you know, commit sexual assault, if they're piggish, I can't stand when men act in any way inappropriately toward women. I, I'm all over it, happy to criticize them, but I'm not willing to throw um, someone under the bus just because someone happened to make the accusation. And you do hear some feminists say that, essentially, if they're accused, it's true. Like, like you just believe the woman was the expression, some of the feminists, but yeah, believe the woman, whatever she says. Sorry, facts matter, truth matters, everyone's entitled to the same sense of justice. Okay, so now... You all probably realize, changing the subject entirely, that um, President Trump has been traveling. He has been in um, China and Japan and Vietnam. And this being um, Veterans Day weekend, and first I want to say, of course, thank you 
from the bottom of my heart and from the bottom of you know everyone's heart in America to every single veteran who has served in any war since our founding and at this present time, people who have, did not come home and people who are back. Thank you to our veterans. You can never say thank you enough. So President Trump is over in Vietnam, and he had, uh, I, I sent uh, Greg the clip here. We're going to play it in just a second. But So President Trump's up on stage giving a speech in Vietnam. Behind him are seven men who had served in Vietnam. And so I I ran this little clip together, but President Trump said a few things, and then he let some of the men come up and say a few words. And the last one, you'll hear the last guy speak, and I'm going to tell you what happened after that. And and I put this link up. It's on our Facebook. It's on our website, americacanwetalk.org. But this guy, this, this adult, you know, tough guy, served in Vietnam, ends up putting his head on President Trump's shoulder and crying. I mean, just it was so emotional. But anyway, I want to have Greg play the one only clip we have. When you speak of honors, one of my great honors is to present the people standing right behind me, great, great warriors and veterans of the Vietnam War. Our veterans are a national treasure. And I thank them all for their service, sacrifice, and patriotism. Would you like to say a few words, any of you guys? Would you like to say somebody? Huh? Come on. Come on up here. There's your chance. You're going to be a big star now. Well, I'm not sure about that. But uh, just on behalf of uh, many of us standing up in the front of the room today, I just want to say what an honor and privilege it is to uh, be with our president. I so admire what you're doing for our country. Uh, Thank you for your dedication to our military, our country, and uh, we're all behind you in making America great again. Mr. President, from my heart, thank you for your support of the military. And it's an honor to be here as one of seven Vietnam veterans representing the 58,000 heroes who never made it home. Thank you so much. Okay, that was the guy. It was just so tender. So I was going to, the reason I really want to talk about this a little bit tonight, because you know, President Trump, um, you may have noticed the media doesn't like him that much. I mean, the the Democrat media mob is just on him for everything he does and says. And um, and actually, you know, I'm going to loop back and talk something, <laughs> mention something from the start of the show, and then come back to this, which was. I mentioned I was back in Washington over the weekend, and I was with some friends from college. We, many of us had not seen each other in, I'm just going to say decades, okay, like a long time. Some of us had been in touch, but a lot of us hadn't. And so what they did ahead of time, everybody um, wrote in a little bio, a picture of yourself at the time you graduated, and a picture of how you look now so we even recognize each other, um, and like what you've been doing, and you know, you, a little bit about the semester in Kenya, like what your memories were, and then um, what you've been doing with your life. Um, all these decades, and so it was fun to have that ahead of time. But I, I, when I sent mine in, I'm, you know, I went to, I grew up in upstate New York, and I went to a liberal arts college, and I went to a liberal college, pretty much, and a liberal law school, and so, and I think really most of my friends in college were Democrats and probably still are, and so I decided, and, and pretty liberal ones. I don't mean like the, you know flaming anti-American, you know, Hillary Clinton type liberal. But I mean, you know, the, the they just kind of uh, intuitively think we should help each other. We should uh, collect taxes to, you know, raise, um, you know, to help people. I mean, there's there's a, it's, it's a kind of kind hearted, soft, compassionate liberalism, but not anyway, not conservative. 
So I went ahead and put in mind that I do a conservative talk radio show, that I wrote a conservative book, that I do Fox News Radio, national political analysis. And so I'm kind of just making sure I'm greasing the skids ahead of time saying, by the way, folks, I'm conservative. So a lot of people came up and we just had a fabulous weekend. I mean, we just talked, talked and talked and talked and laughed and had a great time. But um, several friends came up and, and they aren't with me politically, but they had we had the nicest conversations and even about politics. And we didn't just say, well, let's uh, how are the kids kind of conversations. But we talked about things. And one guy was saying, you know, I just think that so many of us could be more. We would do better for our country if we could talk about things that we don't agree about and be able to listen to each other and not just, you know, put words in each other's mouths or just assume because you believe this, you must think this, but actually talk to each other. And, you know, that's as funny when he said that, because I used to do when I first wrote my book, I used to do these things called politically speaking workshops. I would talk to people about that. It's really actually a fundamental uh, component of, um, of, of modern civilized society to be able to have a conversation think, you know, well, I think we should build a wall. I think we shouldn't. And here's why. Here's what I think, what you think. We've gotten so alienated in America that we, you know, if someone doesn't, isn't right with us in some issue, almost right away, we just say, well, done with you. You're done. You know, I don't, I don't want to hear what you say. Or I assume because you think this, you think all these other things. So we actually had, even among my most liberal college friend, who has a bumper sticker on her car that says resist, but she and I were talking about college campuses and how these, you know, the snowflakes at college campuses and how you, you know, they, they aren't being prepared for the real world because they go to college to make sure that they have expressed their feelings. And everyone protects their feelings. And everyone finds them safe zones they can stay in. I mean, we had, and I'm getting at you on all these issues. There are people who want to listen. They want to converse. We don't have to hate each other to disagree. So back to Donald Trump. I think a lot of what happened with Donald Trump in his campaign was that the, the Democrat media mob was quite successful in just attaching labels to him. And for people who don't think, who just go with the label, um, they have written off. I mean, I, I will say, I think, um, let me finish with that. Okay, a lot of liberals who bought into the labeling at that time, that's where their head is. And, and it wouldn't matter if he cured all cancer tomorrow. He would still be the worst president ever in history and, and, you know, and should be impeached. I mean, it wouldn't matter what he did. And there, but there are a lot of other people, I think, who and I'll include myself. I was not a supporter in the primary. Certainly, uh, I mean, I, all along, I, I wasn't a supporter of his. He wasn't my first choice in the Republican primary. He wasn't my 17th either, but he wasn't my first but I think there's a growing understanding in a lot of people in America about why the voters got behind Donald Trump, because he does not mince words. He does. He'll say things perhaps in a less refined way than some very educated, esteemed politician, statesman type say it. But he says what's true. People want jobs. They want a booming economy. They want businesses to come back to America. They want to keep their own money. They want a secure border. They want a wall so we stop having uh, criminals and cartels and terrorists and just people who come across the, uh, the border unlawfully and want to uh, drain our American resources, our social programs of our resources. We want a wall. 
to secure the country. So I think Trump is, and even his foreign policy, I know the media still is uh, they're wringing their hands and worried, oh my gosh, he says these terrible things. The truth is, he's doing very, very well. And pretty much without very much help from the Senate, and, and even the GOP majority in the House and the Senate, not helping too much, and he's doing well. One thing he did really well on was this trip to Asia, this trip where he's, uh, I can't I think he's, I don't know if he's back yet or not, but the thing we just were reading about, what you were hearing about when he was in Vietnam, he had people behind him just, I mean, and, and person after person was saying, we're so with you, we appreciate you. I want to talk when I come back, because now we're at one more break, but I want to talk about some things that he said there and the way he's being received, because the media is not telling you how well he's being received these other countries. So come right back after the short break. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. And welcome back. I'm Debbie Georges. This is America Can We Talk. Love talking with you. Love talking with Steve Moore, the first hour of the show. He's just awesome. He's just really, uh, you know, very unassuming and um, gentle in his demeanor and very just sharp as a tech, very insightful. So I also, um, before I got off in my this last segment of the show, the fastest two hours of my week is almost up yet again, I want to thank the sponsor of our show. GC Works is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. And I could not do this show without them, so thank, very, very thankful to them. And, you know, the show is always about every topic I turn to in the show, I always try to tie it back to the idea that we have to all understand and preserve the exceptional identity of America. It is unlike any other country in earth, on earth. It doesn't mean there aren't other wonderful countries and cultures and economies and histories and people that are great in every country, but America, the idea, is exceptional in all of world history, and there's no one to defend the idea of America except each generation of Americans. It's our job in each generation of America to understand uh, how the issues of the day, the challenges we face, the solutions we choose, do we perpetuate and hold on to the idea of liberty or are we oblivious and abandoning it and, and then therefore surrendering the idea of liberty? So that kind of ties into what I want to talk about in this last segment. And I'm going to do a series on this, I think. I'm going to start doing some videos from home because I never have enough time to talk with you about all the things that matter so much. But what I wanted to hit on tonight was this past week, in, on November 7th, to be precise, on November 7th, was the 100th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. You know, that Vladimir Lenin and his uh, team brought communism to Russia. And it's a really, there have been there have a series of articles about this. And I just, the reason I want to talk about it is, I mean, I'll just, let me jump off at it this way. There's some recent polling yet again about millennials and how many of them actually think that socialism and even communism might be preferable to freedom. Preferable 
to because that's what capitalism or free markets that's what capitalism or free markets are they're about freedom they're about protecting the freedom of the individual and communism and it's ugly you know or socialism and it's ugly stepsister communism they are simply about controlling the individual and there have been a but so here's a millennial polling um and, and actually i did see some contrary polling so you know depends who they ask but this polling was done um by uh, YouGov, like Y-O-U-G-O-V. It was commissioned by the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, which is an anti-communist organization. And they found that 44% of millennials, 44% of millennials would prefer to live in a socialist country. Another 7% say they'd be fine living in a communist country. And folks, you know, this ignorance on the part of millennials it will have impact on America. It will cost us in America if we don't help millennials get their head on straight about socialism and communism. So one thing I want to share about this, you know, the kind of the big picture thinking, what, what you know, Lenin brought in the Bolshevik, Bolshevik Revolution, what communists always do, because what you're hearing out of today's Democrat Party in Washington is socialist Light. In fact, it's not even that light anymore. It's pretty much, it's not just the Bernie Sanders. I mean, obviously, Bernie Sanders admits he's a Democrat socialist. He has all sorts of socialist ideas. He's bragging about it. But that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the core of the Democrat Party, the leadership of the party, the ideas they put out in America as how their ideas of how to help America. So, I want to just, there was a woman who's been writing about this extensively, and I want to just uh, mention what she's talking about in, in terms of our ability to think through, listening to the ideas being proposed, listening to what the left is saying, listening to what the themes of campaigns are and the solutions being proposed, and thinking about how different are they really from socialism. And then to get clear, um, and even, I mean, the Marx and Engels wrote about it, Socialism is just the stepping stone to communism. And the reason that socialist governments become more and more repressive, not always, you have socialism light, like in the, the um, you know, Finland and Denmark and Norway, those kind of countries. But you have in many countries in the world, socialism introduced. And the reason that the government has to become more repressive and controlling is because actually nobody likes it. Socialism creates misery and poverty, and people try to fight it. People try to leave, and then you can't let them leave. You have to have the, you know, put a wall around the country. No one can leave rules they have, like in Cuba, and they had in East Germany. They had in all of the the, uh, communist countries. Socialism makes people so miserable that the people want to leave, which is what leads in part to communism. The government saying, no, no, no more voting away socialism, no more voting against what we want. We're, there's only one party now, and we're sealing the borders, and we're putting up a wall, and you're not leaving. That's what it gets to. But what this woman has been writing about, and I, wanna, I will be sharing more of this with you, but she's talking about the idea of communism as a historical concept, what it does. They promise equality. That's a big tenet of socialism and kind. They promise we're going to bring you equality. No more of these rich people and poor people. Okay, sounds just like, not like Bernie Sanders, not just like Bernie Sanders, but Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, the leaders of the Democrat Party. They try to instill 
you know, disdain for success, uh, resentment of each other, jealous of each, jealousy of each other. They promise equality. They deliver scarcity for all except the elites. Like even including, you know, in Cuba today, you, it, you know, the people are in, in outside the cities, you know, impoverished. I mean, I, I have a family member who went there recently. I mean, they're impoverished outside the city, but the elites have all sorts of luxury, live better than anyone listening to this broadcast. Okay. They promise social justice, big socialist theme, big communist theme, social justice. They deliver mass enslavement and widespread misery, social distrust, and severe punishment for for all who might dissent. This has happened, and this is an article posted to, again, our, at americacanwetalk.org, the first three phases of the downward slope from freedom to communism, but t- basically talking about the idea we're watching this in China, North Korea, Southeast Asia, post-World War II, Eastern Europe, Cuba, Central America, and most notably, a country we've talked about many times in the show, Russia. But, um, excuse me, Venezuela, which is, you know, in, in the throes of just utter human, uh, just misery, impo- I mean, impoverished, and, and nowhere to go, and no way to get out of it, and no way to, to, to move forward. They're just helpless servants of their government waiting for a handout, waiting for a government-owned store that might have some milk they need. So, folks, I say this because I, I think it's important as guardians of our republic, guardians of our country, we, that was our job in this generation, we have to be nipping ideas like this in the bud. We have to be able to say, before we get too far down this path, this is a bad path. We're not going here. America's not going there. So with respect to uh, what happened historically, 100 years ago, we had the Bolshevik Revolution. You know, part of what is talked about, the, the way that the people who try to take power lay the groundwork, the way they get people on board for their sinister, evil ideas. They sell them as nice. They sell them as we're seeking equality and fairness and social justice. And they lead to widespread misery around the world. And by the way, but I think everyone's heard this statistic, but in recent history, communist regimes in this world have murdered more than 100 million people. All in the name, of course, of social justice and equality. But the specific steps that communist countries take, that these kind of leaders like Lenin and others who want to sell these ideas, the kind of steps they take, they are things like laying, they lay the groundwork. We'll talk about that in a moment. They lay the groundwork for causing people to be less and less um, comfortable in their, um, you know, in, in their society and, and, and more distrustful of people around them. They, there's a lot of propaganda. I mean, the left seems to me, the Democrat media mob in this country, it's like an endless propaganda machine, just ever eternally, always something. They've uncovered some horrible, evil, awful thing. I mean, Hillary's entire campaign was criticizing everyone in America as, you know, hidden, oppressive, you know, racist, xenist, uh, race, I can't even speak English, <laughs> racist, xenophobic, homophobic, uh, on and on and on. Everybody was, it was a horrible person. Agitation. The left lives to agitate the people. They live to create agitation in minority communities, in hyphenated groups in America, among women, among minorities. They're, the agitation is a fundamental part of Democrat practice. State takeover of society's institutions, such as the health care, the entire health care industry taken over by the federal government. 
Dodd-Frank, major takeover of many aspects of the financial institutions in our country. Coercing conformity. And one thing, I'm, I'm reading these elements because this is what we are watching the left do in this country. And then when you see young people polling saying, yeah, I think socialism sounds kind of great. Our job is to make sure that we point out the evil where it gets them to before they get there. So coercing conformity. So people are afraid to speak up. People don't want to be called uh, one of the many names the left is always using. You're either racist, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, blah, 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 blah. And so people don't speak up. So pretty soon you're conforming to the messaging of the left. You're conforming to what they are saying you're supposed to think on any subject. And then actually finally taking action to inflict their form of government on people. And, you know, this I, I think this woman who's writing, she's at I think this is the Federalist, um, this this article. And she's I've written uh, her name is Stella Stella Morabitu. She's a senior contributor to Federalist. And she's written. These, she's doing these articles, kind of phases of how countries end up losing liberty, the downward slope from freedom to communism. And she spells out the um, the steps and um, folks is, is chilling because we're watching those steps happen in America. One other one being disabling of independent thought. Now, I tell you, back my weekend with my St. Lawrence, my college friends, my St. Lawrence friends, you know, there are a lot of left wing things that they that a lot of people think. And so, one was someone who uh, I think she has a master's, she has a degree in in something with related to the environment, but you know, she was talking about uh, you know is. Paris climate thing it was so terrible. We shouldn't have done away with that. And you know what? I, I just, it was too overwhelming. I didn't have my facts ready. I didn't speak up. But when we come back, we're going to, we've got to go because it's the end of the show, sadly. But I do want to tell you, I want to be talking over the next few weeks about this idea more and more recognizing the, the big shifts in society's thought and our job as lovers of liberty to speak up for America. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk. Come back every week. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.